Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Okay, how many felt you got something out of our first session? You're getting into thinking, uh, you know, because remember, this is a teaching session. Okay. All right, I'd like you to turn now to uh, our second session, our second uh, pearl we're going to build. Uh, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, just one announcement I need to make uh, is that uh, though it's Cup Day in a couple of weeks' time, horse racing, uh, no, you keep up with the human race, not the horse race, okay? So uh, advanced track will continue just the same, even though it's a long weekend. So... Uh, yeah, but we'd like to see you here. Okay, now, um, let's go to First Peter chapter 2 again, and I'm going to read verse 9 and verse 10. <laughs> I know that this might sound funny until we're through, but uh, this is Peter. So here it says, uh, But you were chosen generation, a royal priesthood, kings and priests, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, his own special people. And, you, you know, I mean, that's such a challenge. It, it is to my own heart that as you look on the nations of the, of the world today, where is the holy nation on the face of the earth? It's not America, not Britain, it's not Australia, for sure. What nation is a holy nation? The, uh, who said Israel? Uh, not until they accept Jesus. Okay, then they will be. Okay. The only holy nation on the face of the earth is the church. We are actually a nation within the nation. I'm an Australian by natural birth, but by spiritual birth, I'm a heavenly citizen. So we are a nation within the nation. God took Israel as a nation from the nations to put them in his Bible college of the, of the desert the only thing they had against it was Moses, and he was the principal of it. Um, but he wanted to train them and teach them and to make them a missionary nation. That was the purpose. So we've been taken out of the world to be, you know, not of the world, in the world, but not of the world, but sent back into the world to be a holy nation representing. All right, that must have been for somebody Okay, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, believe it or not, verse 10 is impossible for us to understand unless, uh, well, at least we hope to understand by this lesson. Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who, have not, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, believe it or not, we're going to build our whole second session on this verse 10. And it's impossible to understand this verse unless you read the book of Hosea. All right, I want you to go to your notes here. So, um, uh, mercy in the people of God. And just think along with me. Are you thinking all right? <laughs> Underwhelming response, just... Okay, so we've looked at Exodus 19 with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Now we're going to verse 10. 
And what I want you to note here is we build our jigsaw puzzle, and I use this a lot, you know, put out the parts of the puzzle and hopefully bring it together without forcing the parts. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, we're looking at. So who are not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Uh, let's go over to Romans chapter 9, where Paul quotes this. Except uh, Paul adds a little bit to it. So Romans chapter 9, verse uh, 25 and 26. So it says in uh, Romans 9, verse 25, as he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people and her beloved who is not beloved and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Okay, that's it. So notice that Paul and Peter both quote the same thing. Now, to, to, to me, what I want to share here is it shows the absolute inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Peter, who was uh, not, as in, not as brilliant as Paul, is able to take just this one verse out of the context of Hosea and apply it to us. That we are not the people of God, but now we are the people of God. Have you said amen? We have not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. What, what's, what's Peter and Paul really doing with this verse? Well, I'd like you to go over to Hosea, because this is where they're quoting from, Hosea. Some of you said, oh dear. When I was younger, I used to read the prophets and they were so boring. <laughs> Until you get the, uh, some keys here. Hosea, where are you? Okay, now, what you'd have to do in order to understand what we're talking about here, and what I've given you an outline, and what Peter's talking about, is you'd need to read at least Hosea's chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Uh, you can add that there, the Old Testament story. All right, now, uh, just trying to think how, how best to do this. So Peter quotes it. Let me just uh, back back a little bit. You're peculiar people, purchased people, not a people in times past, but now the people of God. Then Paul quotes the same. I'll call them my people, which were not my people, her beloved, which was not beloved, not my people, but now we become the children of the sons of God. All right, now, let me just, uh, this, this, is, this is not in your notes, it's just too much. If you can scribble on uh, page two of your notes here, let me give you five acts, A-C-T-S, that is. I got, I'm just come back from America, so I had to spell out some words to help their feeble minds. <laughs> Act number one, or scene, maybe let's put it scene, scene number one. In Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Hosea. Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Hosea marries a harlot. Now, just bear, bear with me, those of you. In fact, I'll use the illustration again. Um, how many have ever put a puzzle together? Okay. When, you know, you, you are the most unresponsive people. I said, how many have ever put a puzzle together? Yes. 
That's better. Keep it up. Okay. All right. So uh, when you put a puzzle together, what do you do? You lay out all the parts of the puzzle. And then as you're putting the puzzle together, you don't pick up a part and say, I don't know where that fits, throw it away. And pick up another part, don't know where that fits, throw it away. You won't have any puzzle left by the time you're through. But as you put the puzzle together, you know there's a picture there. Uh, everything just locks and interlocks until at the end you say, wow, that's a great puzzle. Now the Bible to me is like uh, a divine jigsaw puzzle. God's put it all there, and as you're putting the puzzle together, which we're doing on this one, uh, one, one verse, and Peter's packed uh, so much into it, uh, you don't pick up the puzzle and say, part of the scripture, throw it away, don't know where that's fit. Uh, no, you don't force the scriptures. Everything just locks and interlocks until hopefully at the end you'll say, wow, you can practice now. Wow. Okay, so that's what we're doing. So scene one, Hosea chapter one, verse two and three, Hosea marries a harlot. Okay, scene number one. I'll give you, I've got the outline in your notes, but just bear with me. So scene number one, Hosea marries a harlot. Scene number two, he has three children born to him, which are what I call sign children. You've got, uh, well, you haven't quite got that on your notes, but sign children. He has a son then a daughter, and then a son. Now, bear with me in the puzzle. So scene two, he has three sign children born in this marriage, a son, then a daughter, and a son. In fact, uh, you've got the names there, as we'll see. Then scene number three, Hosea divorces his wife for playing the harlot. So scene number three, Hosea divorces his wife for playing the harlot. He marries a harlot, has three kids by her, and now he divorces his wife for harlotry. Then scene number four, we have prophecies of the new covenant. Prophecies of a new covenant. And these are found in Hosea chapter 2. Verses 18 to 23, Hosea chapter 2, verse 18 to 23. And then scene number five, the last one, scene number five is Gomer, his wife, is redeemed and restored and married to the Lord under this new covenant. Let me say that again. So scene number five, Gomer is redeemed and restored and married to the Lord under the new covenant. All right, now, let's see what we can do with that. All right, now, let's go to letter B. So under letter A, mercy in the people of God. That's, what, that's the pearl that we're building at the moment. Layer upon layer, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Okay, the Old Testament story, Hosea chapters 1 and 2, I've given you the outline. Now, number 2, I'd like you to look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8. And please keep in mind my style here of jigsaw puzzle. Uh, Isaiah chapter 8 and verses 1 to 3 and verse 18. Hosea 8 verses 1 to 3 and then down to verse 18. So New King James I'm reading. Moreover the Lord said to me, take a large scroll and write on it with a man's pen concerning 
Maha Shalahashbaz. How many would like a name like that? I'd say, Baz, come here. <laughs> if I had a name like that, I'd change it to Kevin, well and truly. And I will take for myself faithful witnesses to record you via the priest and Zechariah, the son of uh, Jeburachiah. Then I went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son. And then the Lord said to me, call his name Mahashalahashbash. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be taken away before the king of Syria. Okay, let's go down to verse 18 now, only for time's sake. And in verse 18, after these three kids are born, for Hosea, back to there, we're using this principle. Verse 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwells in Mount Zion. Signs and wonders. All right, now let's go to our notes here. So here's the family scene we have. I'm not, uh, I'm not an artist, but uh, uh, here we have uh, Goma. We'll just put him as a stick figure. And uh, we'll put his wife with a dress on because uh, sometimes my wife and I see someone coming down the street, so what is it? <laughs> and even Reen the other day, St. Reen, she couldn't tell whether it was a man or a woman. I said, what is it? So I call them she-men. Okay. <laughs> so, so here we have Hosea, okay, and his wife's name, Goma. I don't think of Goma Pyle now, those who, <laughs> who watch the Halavision. Okay. Uh, Goma... Hosea and Goma. And then they have one, two, three kids. The first one is Jezreel. And then the second one is, I think I've spelled that right. Second one is uh, Lohama. Okay, I'll just put Lo. Uh, and then the third one is Lo Ami. All right, now we start to get into it. So, Lo, uh, Hosea means, uh, uh, this is some of the meanings, uh, there's so much on this you can do. Hosea and A, here's the family. So God is taking a family and using this family to illustrate some divine truth. That's what I'm saying. Hosea means a saviour or help. So if you want to fill in something there, Hosea means a saviour or help. Goma. Uh, I'll just pick out one, one meaning. There's a few, few different uh, meanings according to the little books there. means a consumer. Isn't that interesting? We're living in a consumerism generation. A consumer. Jezreel, one of the uh, names here, means seed of God or dropping of the friendship of God. There's other dictionaries give some other name, but just for our study tonight. So Jezreel, seed of God or dropping of the friendship of God. Now, the next one, next one we pick it up. Lohama means not having obtained mercy or no more mercy. Okay, we start to pick up. You had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. So, Lohama, 
is not having obtained mercy, no more mercy, and then lo am I, and I'll put the couple of scriptures there, lo am I means not my people. And I'm not your God. So you'll get that all in Hosea. Let me just uh, see if I can pick that up a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I'm reading from, uh, from uh, Hosea chapter 1, verse 6. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, call her name Lohama. And then we have the interpretation following. For I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. No more mercy. And then in verse uh, 10, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. Now that takes you back to uh, Genesis chapter 13 when God spoke to Abraham and said your seed will be as the sand. And then in Genesis 15, he says your seed will be as the stars. So in the Old Testament... As in the new today, there was sand seed, referring to natural, earthly, national Israel. And there was star seed, referring to the heavenly, the spiritual Israel. You've got to remember that there were two seed lines from Abraham. In the Old Testament, sand and stars, same as in the New Testament. There's a natural, national Israel. There's a spiritual Israel. Sand and stars. That's a whole message in itself. Then it says, continuing verse 10, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, You are the sons of the living God. Wow, something's happened. All right, so let's just go through that part again. So the family, Hosea means a saviour or help. Gomer one of the meanings is a consumer. Jezreel means uh, seed of God or dropping of the friendship of God. Lohuhama means uh, not having obtained mercy, no more mercy. Loamai means uh, not my people and not your God. So how many see God is taking the family of Hosea and Goma and these signed children and putting a message in their names. That's the picture. All right, now let's go. Everybody with me so far? I know this is a tough lesson, but I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. A bit better over here, sick over here. Okay. All right, thus these children are signed children and the significance is in their name. So it's a message of God to Israel through their symbolic interpreted name. So you just put yourself as Hosea and Gomer's wife. What's your name? My name, Loahama, means no more mercy. What's your name? Lo am I. You're not the people of God. Get lost. Go, go down to someone else's church. We don't want you around here. Hey? But they were a message. So Hosea becomes a type of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God, the Saviour. Goma becomes a type of Israel playing the harlot and becoming an adulteress. Get the picture now. 
And then Jezreel, Bahama, Ami, they are type of the children, they are type of the offspring of Israel as a people. So now let's go down to letter C here and pick up the story a bit. And uh, you'll just have to put in little bits and pieces where you can. Uh, it's too vast. But it's just that Paul and Peter bring it together. All right, number one, redemption story in Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. I'm just quoting off my notes here. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there it shall be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. How many think something happens there? Ask your question. Okay. Then Hosea chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, he says, the valley of Achor is going to become a door of hope. So a door of hope. Hosea chapter 2, verse 18, he says, I'm going to make a covenant for them. Now, let, let, let's just uh, digress a little moment. Under the Abrahamic covenant, God gave the promise of sand and stars, the seed. But under the Mosaic covenant now, this is what happens. Hosea, type of the Lord, marries Gomer, who has played the harlot. And you see, the book of Ezekiel is the only book that mentions Israel's idolatry when they were in Egypt. In Egypt. Yet the Lord was willing to redeem them. But then we have these children, and eventually under the law covenant, the Mosaic covenant, God says, no more mercy. You're not my people. I'm not your God. And he divorces them. Now, please listen carefully because I'm not anti. Sometimes if I talk on these people so well, you're anti-Israel. I'm not anti-anybody. I've been to Jerusalem. I've preached to the Messianic Jews. I've preached to the Arabs. Being there, done that. Drank water out of Jacob's well and spat it out. Turn over to Jeremiah. Now, this will all come together, hopefully, by the end. Uh, turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 3. I've got too many scriptures going through my mind. Jeremiah chapter 3. So, remember, Hosea marries a harlot. God married Israel under the covenant of Sinai, dropping down to this secondary level. Then there were signed children born, and so the two ones were looking at, the daughter and the son, no more mercy, no more mercy, you're not my people. Now, scene number three, Hosea divorces his wife. God divorces Israel. Listen carefully to me. I'll balance it all out when they're through. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 6, we'll better read it. Read it. The Lord also said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on, the, on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. <clears throat> and I said after she had done all these things, just like Gomer, Hosea's wife, 
playing the harlot. Return to me. Even though she's playing the harlot, I'm still saying, return to me. I want to keep our marriage together. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. Now listen carefully to verse 8. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her, old King James, a bill of divorce, New King James, a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So God divorced Israel for playing the harlot. Now turn over to Isaiah chapter 50. Uh, I'm asking you because this is the toughest lesson, but I'm asking you not to exercise your leg muscles and jump to conclusion until I'm finished. Isaiah chapter one, uh, 50. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Okay. Now, just to balance something out here, Let's turn over to Leviticus chapter 21. Some scriptures on your notes, some are not. Leviticus 21 and verse 9. And the daughter of any priest... I want you to be unto me a kingdom of priests. And the daughter of any priest, if she profane herself by playing the whore or the harlot, she profanes her father, she shall be burned with fire. And he who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes. You think what happened when they crucified Jesus? High priest saw his clothes. He pronounced the death penalty on himself. Nor shall he go near any dead body, nor defile himself for his father and mother. Nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity. A widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman, a harlot, or a harlot, these he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife, nor shall he profane his posterity among his people, for I, the Lord, sanctify him. All right, now, let, let's hold it there. Let's freeze it. The law concerning the high priest is he was not to marry a widow, or a divorced person, or a woman who is a harlot. He was not to marry them. He was to marry a virgin of his own people. Jesus Christ is going to marry a bride. How many can say amen on that? What sort of a bride is it going to be? See, Jesus Christ cannot marry 
national Israel, because all those things of national Israel. Now, I'll balance this all out, so as I said, wait till I'm through. This is a heavy session. Israel is spoken of as a widow, a divorced person, a harlot, and like Hosea, married a harlot, had these kids, ends up, no more mercy, not my people, and divorces her. That's what happened with God, who's brokenhearted. He wanted Israel to return and stop playing love and loving and harlotry with other gods when he was married to her. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, another part of the puzzle. Are you thinking along with me? Jeremiah chapter 31. And it says in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, uh, let's pick it up here. Yes, verse 31. Now we start to look at prophecies of the new covenant. Under the old covenant, Jesus cannot marry Israel as a widow, divorced or profane or playing the harlot. So Jeremiah 31, verse 31 says, Behold, the day is come, says the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. A new covenant. Now, under the old covenant, as we'll continue reading here, a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I bear you on eagle's wings. You've seen what I've done to the Egyptians. I bear you on eagle's wings to bring you to myself. Let's continue. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, the marriage covenant. They were married to the Lord at Sinai, although I was an husband to them, says the Lord. See, Hosea's marriage to Gomer, the kids, it's all a prophetic picture. But this shall be the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in the inward parts and write it in their hearts and, oh, hallelujah, will be their God. You're not my God. I'm not your God. You're not my people. And they shall be my people. So something's going to happen under the new covenant. And where was the new covenant made? By Jesus at the cross. It's a prophecy. Wow, awesome. So there's the picture that we have. Now, go to letter C and going down a little bit here as I continue. So in Hosea chapter 2, 23 and chapter 3, I'll put the references here. I'm watching our time. He says, this would take place in the latter days, the last days. And when Jesus came, he introduced the last days, the latter days. So at the cross and just before the cross, he said, this is the new covenant. We celebrated this on the weekend in the table of the Lord, the new covenant in my body, in my blood. That's it. And so back here, though... Hosea divorces his wife Gomer. You will find in um, this chapter here. 
that actually Hosea chapter 3, you've got on your notes there verse 1 and 2. You know what Hosea did? He redeemed his wife with 15 pieces of silver. Silver is the picture of redemption. We're not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold. Everybody in Israel, if they wanted to be numbered in Israel, they had to bring the half shekel of silver. And so Hosea redeems his wife. Prophecy of the new covenant and accepted her again. So the only hope for Israel today is to accept the new covenant in Christ. And I personally believe that there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that nation. And I think Jerusalem is going to be a hot, hot subject. See, while that's in my mind, turn over to Zechariah. And we're just indulging a little bit. How many enjoy my indulgences better than my teaching? Yeah. <laughs> okay, get behind me. Stop pushing me. Okay, Zechariah chapter 12. This is what's happening in the Middle East and it's going to get worse because God's up to something. So verse uh, 1, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Doesn't say to Israel, for Israel, against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness, a cup of trembling to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Jerusalem and Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone, a burdensome stone for all peoples, all who would heave it away will surely be cut to pieces, though all the nations of the earth be gathered against it. So you can talk about you disunited nations and everything, what they want to do with Jerusalem. Hey, but God has something in mind. So the pressure's coming on, because this is my own belief, based on the word, that there's going to come an outpouring of the Spirit on that nation. They're going to get their eyes opened to their long-rejected Messiah. And they're going to come back to God not through the Mosaic Covenant, because under the, under the Mosaic Covenant, you're not my people. No more mercy. I'm not your God. That's it. But under this, and Paul and Peter are both saying, it shall come to pass in the place where I said, you're not my people. I'm not your God. No more mercy. I will have mercy. And you'll become the people of God. That is worth a hallelujah. That's the mercy of God. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Wow, what a picture. Uh, turn over to Romans. Uh, <laughs> I was just watching that little demon pushing that clock on there. Uh, uh, turn, uh, turn over to Romans. This is really important that you get hold of this. I've put the scriptures there for under letter D now. We're going to, this was the redemption story. It was all going to take place in the latter days, the last days, and under the Messiah. So under letter D, let's go to Romans chapter 9. You've got all the references there. And I do hope uh, you read the notes when you get home or between now and when Jesus comes and don't let the silverfish eat these good notes that's taken me hours to prepare for you. <laughs> Listen to Romans 9, verse 15. I want you to note the use of the word mercy. But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed uh, say to him that formed it, why have you made me uh, like this? 
Does not the same potter, does not the potter have power over this clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honour, another for dishonour? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known and due with much long-suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and then he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy? There were vessels of wrath in verse 22, vessels of mercy in verse 23. How many glad you're a vessel of mercy? Which he has prepared for uh, beforehand for his glory. And then it goes on, even us who he called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And he says in Hosea, oh, here it is. Now it's coming together. I will call them my people, which not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it should come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you're not my people. There they shall be called the sons of the children of the living God. Hallelujah. That's worth a hallelujah. So does everybody see what's happened? Under the Abrahamic covenant, they become the people of God, sand and stars. Under the Mosaic covenant, for all playing the harlot, God divorcing them, not my people, no more mercy, not the friend of God, but now the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant. And in the place where they said, you're not my people, you're the sons and children of the living God. Wow. I mean... Peter, where'd you get all that, Peter? Kevin, read your Bible. Read the book of Hosea, dum-dum. <laughs> oh, thank you. It made me do that because I couldn't understand verse 10, what it all meant or what Paul was saying until I read Hosea. So, wow, what an awesome picture. Okay, let's uh, keep going for a few more moments here. Um, yeah, so Romans 9, 15, I think I've done that. Uh, Vessels of mercy, yeah. My people were not my people, but now you're sons of the living God, sons and daughters. Romans 11, verse 30. Go to Romans 11, verse 30. For as you were once disobedient to God, if you will obey my voice, yet have, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have uh, now been disobedient to, through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience. Why? That he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. And then go to Romans chapter 12, because we, we use this verse so much, but we don't do it in the context so Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, as has often been said, when you see a therefore, what is the therefore? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the what? Say it with me. The mercies of God. See, the word mercy is being used 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, at least 12 times or so in the previous chapters. The mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, on the basis of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable and your priestly service. That's what he's saying. That's it. Oh, we used to sing it back in the olden days. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. How many remember that? Yeah. Uh, some of us are goldie oldies. Yeah. God has promised mercy. Okay. Uh, 
I've sort of got to wrap up a bit. Go over to Psalm 85. Psalm 85. I don't think this is on your notes. Psalm 85. Are you getting a decent feed out of this word? Psalm 85, listen to this. Wow. The key words in this psalm are mercy and truth, righteousness and peace. Let's, I, I've got them circled in my Bible. So in verse 7, Psalm 85, verse 7, Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us salvation. The, the thing is, I, I hope through this message tonight, in this part, that you appreciate the mercy of God. I do. I look back over my life and say, hey, the reason I'm here is just the mercy of God. Just the mercy of God. He's made me a vessel of mercy. Then he says, I will hear what the Lord, uh, God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Now, listen to this. Mercy and truth are met together. Now, what are they meeting over? Is there some problem? Yes. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Kiss, kiss of reconciliation. What's wrong with righteousness and peace? Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace. So if mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Verse 13, righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. It's, it's in picture a Melchizedek psalm. King of righteousness, king of peace. Now, let me sort of come in for a landing here. All right, just make sure I've got everything I wanted to. Okay. So you can read the other scriptures. Uh, it's of his mercies that were not consumed, were saved by grace through faith, and the mercy of the Lord, so forth. All right, now. Just before we go to letter E, let me finish uh, partly on this. I thought I had the scripture, yes. When you come to the cross, you see two things meeting here. Mercy and truth. Mercy and truth, I've got it round back the other way. Mercy and truth are met together because there's some problem of truth and mercy here. And then righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There's been a reconciliation, righteousness and peace. Now, see, people today want peace. Everybody's after peace, but they don't want peace with righteousness. They want mercy, but not on truth. Now, one of the great classic uh, pictures we have is in the gospel, and I like to put it this way. Here Jesus stands, and uh, what you'll find through the gospels, you'll find that people often came to Jesus, have mercy upon us, O son of David. Have mercy upon us, we're blind. Or the Syrophoenician, have mercy. And you may remember the classic example where this woman came on behalf of her daughter, and she's crying for mercy, have mercy upon a son of David. And what did Jesus do? 
It's not reason to take the bread and give it to dogs, little puppy dogs, Gentile puppy dogs. And she says, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And then he says, I'm only sent to the lost children of the house of Israel, not to Gentile dogs. But she kept, and, and four times the Lord reproved her gently. But do you know what she ended up saying? She said, truth, Lord. And as soon as she came onto the ground of truth, the Lord ministered mercy to her. And believe it or not, maybe we don't put it this way, the only way any of us received mercy was when we came onto the ground of truth. And so, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve mercy, but I need help. And the Lord said, go in peace. And when they came onto the ground of truth, then they found mercy. And you see, conflict at the cross was mercy and truth met together. The truth of God was upheld. And then God extends mercy to us. The righteousness of God was upheld. And then he could say, go in peace. But it's on that ground. That's the picture we have. All right, let's go to the letter E's. E's. We're coming for landing. The promise was to Abraham way back there. Abrahamic covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. To Moses, God said, I will be your God and you will be my people. Read the scriptures. To Jeremiah, he says, I'm going to make a new covenant with them. No longer according to the covenant I made when I took them out there, Egypt, and they're not my people, but now they are people. And then he says to Ezekiel, I'm going to have mercy on them. Cleanse away their sin. All right, now let's go back to uh, uh, 1 Peter on our last part here, and then we're done. How many feel the puzzles sort of come together? Reasonably? Okay, let's go back to Peter now and pick up. No, I was going to say I'm sorry, but how many know I'm a fanatic for words? (laughs) Well, I I just believe the Bible's inspired. And I don't there, I get agitated with preachers when I hear them say, a lot of the words in the Bible are peripheral. They're just there to fill up the book. I don't believe that. Words are very important. And that's why translations are very important to me. Okay, listen to a couple of little words here. So, uh, all right, well, we're back to, uh, that's not the still one I'm not after, uh, but verse 10, chapter 2, who once were not a people, but are now, oh, okay, it's old King James, so sorry. Okay, this is the expression I want you to pick up. Old authorised says, which in time past, let's put it up here, time past, outside the cross, before the cross, BC, time past, wasted time. So he says, in time past, we're not a people, but now. Everybody say, but now. But are now the people of God. This fixes it.
time pass, lo Wilhama, no more mercy. Lo am I, not my people, I'm not your God. But now, but now, it's the cross that makes all the difference. And so, conclusion, time passed, but now, Paul says, time passed, not the people of God, no more mercy, but now in the place where it was called, no more mercy, not the people of God, you are now the children of God, the sons of the living God. And John ends up saying the same thing. I will be their God and they will be my people. How many think this Peter's packed a lot in one little verse? Because he knew the story of Hosea better than we do. But I hope you got something out of that. Let's all stand. Our time's up. Wow. Look forward to uh, seeing you next week. Hopefully. <clears throat> like I often like to do, let's join our hands together and you just verbalize a moment as I close in prayer and thank the Lord for his mercy. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's join our hands together. Father, again, we stand in your presence in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're just overwhelmed that you brought us onto the ground of truth where we realized we were sinners, lost and undone, unable to save ourselves. But now we've obtained mercy. And we just thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Just, just pray, Lord, that through this uh, heavy session here, Lord, that you'll help us to appreciate in a greater way the mercy of God to all us, Lord. And the mercy that's showed towards us, help us to bring people on the ground of truth where we can be vessels of mercy to them. We believe it. Commend ourselves to you until we meet again in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We were going to make time for questions. We were going to make a couple of time for questions, but I think our time's just about up. Uh, we'll make up next week. God bless you. If you've enjoyed today's teaching by Kevin Connor, be sure to check out his books, available from word.com.au in Australia, amazon.com all over the world, and now downloadable as PDFs on kevinconnor.org.